Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Romaldi here, my co-host, Pastor Michael Teddy, and this is Street Talk Theology. We take theology and hopefully we bring it to the streets. Well, it's an honor to be here. And I got, again, I mentioned already, I gave you the hint already. My co-host is here, live from India. Um, And, you know, so we are going to speak about, we're going to start off speaking about the local church or the importance of the local church. Give me a shout out, Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail. Other than that, you know me. You Sometimes I go on without Pastor Michael, you know, um, him being in India, me being here in Casa Grande, Arizona. Sometimes we can't hook up as much as we want to, but we are here for the next hour. So we're happy to do a couple of shows. Pastor Michael, how's baby Ethan? How's your wife? How's, how's India? How's the church in India? What's going, what's going down? It's good to be with you again. Uh, yeah, they're, they're keeping well. The baby is growing. The baby started crawling now. So uh, in a matter of days, I think uh, we'll be running around the house trying to fence everything up, baby-proof all the uh, sharp edges. So it's been, uh, it's been a, a wonderful uh, as a church here. We've been uh, steadily having more people visit us, uh, more people interested in becoming members. We will hopefully have a few baptisms this coming week. Uh, so we, you know, we're praying. We are trying to, you know, as best we can help, encourage, teach the word of God. Uh, and it's just amazing how God works through our weaknesses that uh, I'd love to say we're doing a good job, but uh, uh, God's doing a good job in spite of our weaknesses. He seems to be blessing everybody. So it's, it's a joy I heard a sermon one day and a pastor says, all we are are jars of clay, but he says, really, we're buckets of mud, right? Buckets of mud. <laughs> and God is able yes, to use yes, these <laughs> jars of clay to bring about his glory. Okay. So, you know, we, <laughs> we, you talk about being uh, unprepared. We, we don't, you know, cause we just, this is street talk theology. This is the way we got this show thing wired, so to speak. Is you know, you pass by in the street and, you know, if you lived in New York City, you pass by in the street, you, you talk to somebody about the Yankees or the Mets or whatever baseball team you like. Well, me and, me and Pastor Michael, we just we just hook up and just talk theology. We don't have any notes, but we did. Um, we were speaking a little bit before we came on the air about the local church and the importance of the local church, especially today where it's, we, we live in a world of isolation. Right. I mean, uh, you, people go on the computer to find dates. And I mean, it's just, you know, we, the, the world has changed. And I think it and one thing, Pastor Michael, uh, for me, I, I one of the tricks of the enemy, if I may, is the devil is impersonal. And I think that one of his uh, many schemes, so to speak, as the Bible says, is he he's impersonal where Christ and the church is personal, right? We get 
we have skin in the game. We're in the church house. We we get to have Bible study together. We preach and teach. We have fellowship or potlucks or whatever. But there's a lot of skin in the game. There's a lot of uh, personal interaction where I believe the enemy is impersonal. And and so maybe you can just we can start there and then I'll read a, a section of scripture and then I'll we'll talk about that. Is is that a fair assessment, uh, Pastor Mike? I I think when it comes to the fellowship of Christians and uh, us coming together. And uh, we live in a culture that's extremely individualistic. We live in a culture where uh, the cult globally, it's amazing with technology. We now have, uh, you know, everybody watches Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood is the culture, the trendsetter almost everywhere across the globe. Uh, you know, we've, we live in a time where we can, with all honesty, say that culture seems to be bleeding across nations. Um, you know, we're not so uh, separated as we used to be. We're not, we are all uh, influenced. And um, when we see the kind of things that's happening in the world today, you know, it's, it's, it's the teaching, it's the cultural norm that people are taught that they can be whoever they want to be. They can, um, they can do anything they want to do, that they are inherently good and capable. And uh, it's all about promoting the individual self that it's amazing. You feel like you don't need anybody. Yeah. You can live without people. And the Bible tells us exactly the opposite. Exactly. The, right. It's, it's, it's completely the inverse. And the Bible tells us that uh, we are wretched people in sin. We cannot survive by ourselves. We need Christ to save us. And then we've been given instruction after instruction of how we hold to one another, how we love one another, care for one another, and hold fast to the gospel, the faith. But now God uses all of us as members of his body to uh, serve one another. And so when it comes to uh, the enemy, the any and all attempts to disrupt that, you know, and so I think one of the ways that the enemy really does that is through this cultural influence. I think the the secularist culture of this age is the most dangerous anti-Christian element that I know of. It's, you know, it's not uh, another faith. It's not the Muslim faith or it's not the Hindu faith or it's not the uh, the greatest opponent to the gospel, to the local church, is the modern individualistic, secular uh, teaching that uh, you're all you need. Yeah. And, you know, I, I yeah, great point. So I but but I want to I want to read this first. I want to come from Scripture, a couple of verses, uh, Hebrews 10, starting in 24. And I love these words. And let us consider that's that consider. Let us talk about it. Let's let's think about this. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, we know uh, 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 now we get into the day drawing near. I mean, is we've been me and you've been talking about uh, post millennium post millennium stuff for a little bit. So, but but I think what the Bible is saying here, as the day is drawing near, 
as you know, Christ, no matter if it's 2,000 years from now, to the, as, as the days drawing near, we need to stimulate one another. We need to be able to interact with each other. This is the exact opposite of the, the view that you're giving. But I want to not push back. That's, that's the wrong word. But I see a lot of Christians also kind of, well, I can watch this preacher on TV or that preacher on TV. But the Bible is clear here, even in those days, that some was sh- there was a habit of some that were not coming to the church house. And I, so I think you make a great point. And I think, again, the culture for, for non-believers, we know how impersonal they are. But here in the, the writer of Hebrews is telling us that even back then, there were some Christians that were um, forsaken the assemblies. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. Uh, I, I think uh, one of the places that I go to in scripture is just how much Jesus was invested in bringing people together and training them to be together. You know, uh, uh, we read in yeah. Mark three fourteen when Jesus appointed the 12, when he picked the 12 apostles, it's written that the first reason for picking them was that they might be with him. Right? They, that was the primary task of the 12, to follow him wherever he went, to watch him to see him, to understand him, to understand how he did things. And when he discipled them and taught them how to, you know, I I keep uh, even going back to this. um, Before he was crucified, before he was arrested, crucified, before he died and ascended, that the Lord's Supper is what he instituted and gave to the disciples. Great point. And and it had it had a very uh, relational, intimate uh, gathering. There was a requirement for this. So he said, "This is the one thing that you do. You do this in remembrance of me." Okay, you break the bread. So the first step in remembering Christ in that sacrament is to come together. You can't do that online. You can't do that. Uh, you know, we as much as we try, that's not what it was meant to. They ate together. It was part of their meal when they met, right? So they, they broke bread and they ate meals together. And Jesus, before he ascended, pulls his apostles together and he tells them, this is how you remember me, by taking the bread, by taking the wine, and by eating it together. So everything that Jesus taught them, Everything the apostles taught uh, uh, post the day of Pentecost, when they went across uh, the nations, when they took the gospel to the nations, what we find them do is plant churches, teach men and women to gather, to come together, to fellowship with one another. The Bible is full. In fact, you know, I was speaking to uh, a bunch of young people a while back and I was telling them, you can't escape the reality of the church when you read the New Testament. 
in fact if you had to you'll have to throw the entire new testament out because there's no way of escaping it everything from matthew up to revelation addresses the church it's either written to the church or it's written to elders in the church it's either written for the church or it's describing the church and so the basic reality of the new testament faith is that god has established by his sovereign will that the church is the vessel by which his kingdom come the church is the vessel by which he uh, realizes his kingdom on earth the church is the vessel it's, the church is the bride of christ you know and uh, it's it's in fact all that we're looking for is we're looking forward to the marriage supper of the lamb when christ will marry his bride the church so yeah there's no escaping that reality yeah you know and and we know that titus i mean uh, for this reason i left you in crete that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as i i directed you right you know setting yeah. up the churches setting up the church hierarchy in the book of revelation i mean jesus is speaking to churches right i mean right. And, and i think um we've so when you get people in church and you get bodies together and you get minds together, you tend to have disagreements, right? I mean, and I, right. I don't, you know, we were talking that a little bit about that. Um, obviously we want to be in like-minded churches. We want to be in churches that, you know, believe the same thing. Um, but there are going to be things that people disagree on that are not of first or even secondary importance. You know, maybe, you know, eschatology, like I tell Ashuk, you almost persuade me to be a post-millennialist, right? I mean, but, yeah. but those are good discussions. But we, you were mentioning a little bit, and I kind of didn't get the crux, but you were mentioning something about sometimes sisters and brothers in church will not agree on every nook and cranny, right? They would, I mean, obviously on the, on the, on the first importance, Christ, the only way to salvation, uh, God, a very God, uh, the Trinity, Christ is going to return. Uh, however you think that's going to be, but you know, he's going to return. Right. But what is, what are some of the things that the enemy may use within the church to divide the church. Is, is that a fair question? It is. It is. And I, I think uh, um, one of the reasons that people de-church themselves is precisely because of these issues. Because there's a lot of fights. There's a lot of disagreements. Sometimes uh, if the church is big enough, there'll be a lot of politics within the church. There'll be a lot of. Does that happen uh, in the church politics? <laughs> oh yeah, we you know it's 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 very famous here. As in, it's uh, it's it's one of those reasons why people, at least in my context, there are a lot of church people who just are not no longer interested in the church because uh, you know it's it's just become you know like those parliament meetings where. Uh, they throw chairs at one another. You know, it's that it's that bad. <laughs> and uh, so, I I think, um, yeah, I think the the point being, you know, when we read uh, Romans, right? When we read Romans, uh, and the Paul addresses the question of uh, 
the people who eat uh, vegetarian food or uh, people who eat non vegetarian food or people in those contexts uh, it's amazing what paul teaches paul always teaches that the mature one ought to be kind compassionate and caring for the mature one that the stronger brother needs to look out for the weaker one and that's that's so much the heart of the christian faith the uh, the one who leads must be the one who serves the most right um and so jesus washed his disciples feet so the 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 fact in all of these uh, conflicts that arise most of the time that's missed up um so we are you know i i like saying this if uh, it would have taken the holy spirit just one verse to prevent the confusion between pedo and credo baptism like yeah. we could have either <laughs> been presbyterian like that. yeah or a baptist uh without confusion if he just added a single verse that said babies couldn't be baptized i mean that that would have been easy right but i think i believe that god in his divine providence has allowed for ambiguity a certain degree of ambiguity or a very degree of ambiguity on several of these subjects <laughs> how about uh uh god's divine um sense of humor right i mean let's yeah, see yeah. <laughs> let let's see how my people react to this well right. the philippian jailer he had have children and you know right i mean so that's a great point i mean all the holy spirit all all god the holy spirit had to do was just say children uh need to be baptized at a certain age when they can believe or whatever but no that's a great point i like that i really do right and 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 so that's even when it's you know when we think about marriage right when we think about a man and a woman coming together no matter how compatible they seem they are going to rub against each other after they get married and it is at that point when they rub against each other the most and yet their love for one another holds true that's where love is uh, most manifest that's where god is most glorified and so god has allowed these varied degrees of ambiguity to exist so that his people while they stand on the sure foundation of what is clearly known would exercise grace to one another would be loving to one another would work with one another would debate one another kindly you know and of course you know we're not talking about like you said we're not talking about primary or cardinal truths here right we we're not saying that we ought to be welcoming of brothers who don't believe in the trinity because that's a that's a cardinal truth that's a foundational truth that we cannot do away with what we are talking about are mostly differences maybe it's regarding ministry practice maybe it's regarding church polity maybe it's regarding uh things like baptism uh you know and every culture every church every denomination will have their nuances 
or the way they go about doing some of these things. I mean, we would all be in agreement of the importance of membership here, but each church that we do know would be pursuing membership differently. So they would do the practical aspects of the ministry differently. So I think the problem is Christians, by and far, need to learn how to disagree with one another. How, how disagreement might will still mean fellowship and love. And I, I'm going to tell you why you make a great point. I, and I was just thinking about this as you were talking. If you was, if you was part of the church in the book of Acts, you had two churches, the church in Antioch and the church in Jerusalem. You know, there was yeah. no, let's go to the first Southern Baptist church here. Let's go to the Presbyterian church here. So there had to, and you can see by the letters that Paul writes, there was disputes, but right. you never, there was never like, um, you know, and there were people when they left the church, John would say, well, yeah. they were never of us. Right. So there was, you know, when people left churches, they were deemed outside the elect, outside the people of God. And here right. we got people just, well, I don't like the music here. You know, the pastor don't wear a tie. He does wear a tie. And he reads from the ESV. And I think that we have to be really careful here that that we don't fall into those traps. I mean, you know, where, where'd you go? Where do you go there? I mean, if you, if you didn't like Paul's preaching, I always say to myself, Pastor Michael, I wonder who Paul's pastor was. I got to meet that dude. <laughs> Right. I mean, because he was not the he was not the teaching elder in Antioch. I mean, he was the missionary. So when he went back, I'd like to know who his pastor was. Right. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 uh, when we're talking even about this, you know, I'm thinking I'll give you a I'll give an example. It's, hey, my, uh, Pastor uh, Mike, listen, yeah. you got about I'm going to let you you got about two and a half minutes. And then I'll I'll sign us off, and then we'll 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 start another show. But you got like two minutes, so um, sure. It's hard for yeah. a pastor. It's hard for a preacher like Pastor Mike to do anything in two minutes. But <laughs> yeah. So um, when it uh, when it even comes in my own experience, you know, a majority of the reformed folk that I run across are all cessationists. They don't believe uh, that the gifts of the whole the uh, the explicit manifested gifts of the Holy Spirit of tongues or prophecy continue to this day. Uh, but I myself am a continuationist. I believe that the gifts still continue. I believe there's no biblical warrant to believe otherwise. But the interesting thing is, uh, you can you know mature believers in the Reformed circles, when they treat you well, even though you disagree on subjects like that. But uh, but by and far, there's a large majority of folk that uh, that would look down upon a continuationist as being uh, exegetically compromising. So I did uh, I did now a four month series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we have done an exegetical study of First Corinthians twelve to fourteen and other passages across the Bible on the subject. And we have cessationists in the church that don't have that argument anymore. They've come out on the other side and said, okay, this is extremely exegetical. But my point being that 
it's so easy that we allow these differences to uh, determine how we treat one another. And that ought not to be the case. We ought to be able to distinguish ourselves between uh, cardinal truths that we ought to agree on and then see these differences and be able to graciously treat one another, love one another, bear with one another. And so that becomes extremely important in the life of the local church. And so this is just, you know, we've got to work this together in all our churches. Thank you, Pastor Michael. Listen, so we got about five seconds. I'm going to wrap up. Uh, would you mind coming back again? Because I know you. I know that you might get, well, my, Pastor Michael never gets mad at me, but he probably says, man, these guys, pastors from New York. But I, on the next segment, and you guys left to wait a week. Wait a week to hear it. Once this one's on, I'm going to ask my dear pastor friend to talk a little bit about post-millennialist. How's that? Is that is that? And I know he's a little out of his comfort zone. That's why I like to get Pastor Michael because then maybe <laughs> like four months later he'll go back and say, "Wait, I want. I got to re-talk about that." But I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge it on that. He's and I I know he'll give me grace and talk about that. But anyway, this is Pastor Dominic Romaldi. Street Talk Theology with Pastor Michael Teddy, where we take theology and we bring it to the streets. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org. <laughs>